Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode 23 of Real Estate Investing in New York with me, Christina Kremitas. And in this episode, I am talking all about mortgage contingencies and the COVID-19 funding provision. So stay tuned, we're covering everything here. Welcome back guys. Thank you for being here for another episode of Real Estate Investing in New York. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you can be notified of new episodes and also so that this content will be recommended to new people. This is completely free for you to do, simply liking this episode and subscribing to the channel, but it will help me reach more people and that is the most important thing. So please be sure to support me and do that. So this episode, we are gonna be reviewing mortgage contingencies because I get a lot of questions about them, but also we are gonna be talking about a very important component that has recently been added during the due diligence phase and contract stage, which is the COVID-19 funding provision. So in order to understand what the COVID-19 funding provision is and why it's very important for you to have in your contract right now, if you are purchasing property, I need to review the basics of the mortgage contingency and then we'll talk about the COVID-19 funding provision. So as you probably already know, the mortgage contingency protects you as the buyer from losing your contract down payment if you were to get rejected from the bank for your mortgage. So pretty much if you are planning on using a bank and getting a mortgage to buy a property and then during your mortgage application process, if the bank rejects you for your mortgage, you have a way to get out of your contractual obligation to purchase the property and get your contract deposit back, which is 10% of the property purchase price. So it's a lot of money. So if you are planning on getting a mortgage and you do not have all of the cash in the bank to cover the full price of the property, you absolutely want to have a mortgage contingency in your contract. This is one of the most basic things that you need to make sure is in your contract if you are planning on financing the purchase. If you don't have a mortgage contingency in your contract and you intend to get a mortgage and you do not get approved for your mortgage for whatever reason, you are obligated to purchase the property at the full contract price in cash. So pretty much if you don't want to lose that contract deposit, you need to find a way to come up with the full property price in cash without using a bank. Of course, if your bank rejects you, you can try another bank and you can try to get a mortgage with a different lender. But if you are not able to get this mortgage, you have to buy the property in cash or you lose the 10% contract deposit. Now, something that many people don't know about the mortgage contingency is that your mortgage contingency protects you up until the moment that you receive the bank commitment letter. The bank commitment letter comes once the bank has done all of their work to approve you for the loan and the bank decides that you are approvable and the bank has investigated the building and decides that the building is a safe investment for them and they approve your entire mortgage application. The bank issues you a commitment letter, which means you are fully approved. Once the seller's attorney is notified that you have received your commitment letter, your mortgage contingency is essentially satisfied. So you were able to get a mortgage and now your mortgage contingency is over. You are no longer protected under that mortgage contingency. So 
if you were to lose your job the day after you get your commitment letter for some reason and you haven't closed on that property yet and let's say you lose your job and the bank says oh well we had given you a commitment letter but now we found out that you lost your job so we can't give you the mortgage anymore you're no longer covered under the mortgage contingency so you would ultimately legally lose the contract deposit if you wanted to back out of the deal for that reason now of course you might be able to get the contract deposit back in an instance like this, but it is something that gets very complicated and the seller will want to hold your contract deposit. Now it is standard practice and totally normal for your mortgage contingency to only cover you up to receipt of your commitment letter. The reason why no one really knows this detail is because firstly, it's rare that something would happen that would cause you to get rejected for a mortgage between receipt of your commitment letter and closing. That's the first reason, though there have been situations where people buy like cars or something after they've gotten their mortgage approval without realizing that the bank rechecks all your information before closing. So if your debt to income ratio or your debts have changed dramatically from receipt of your commitment letter, the bank will reject you later. So it is something to keep in mind, but it's rare that that happens. And also usually the time from receipt of your commitment letter from the bank and closing is usually pretty quick in most real estate transactions aside from New York City condos and co-ops. The reason for that is because if you are outside of the city and you are purchasing like a private home or something like that, you're only really waiting for the mortgage commitment to come through. There's really not much else you're waiting on. So once your mortgage is approved, the attorneys are able to work together to align on a closing date and you can typically close within a few days. However, when it comes to co-ops and condos in New York City, these types of properties require purchase applications to be submitted to the management companies for review before you can be approved and schedule a closing date. And these applications usually require you to also furnish your commitment letter from the bank when you submit the application. The application to purchase can take up to a month for the management company to review and approve. So when you're buying condos and co-ops in New York, there is extra time that's required to close your deal. So instead of only waiting on the bank for the commitment letter, once you have that, you then have to take that commitment letter included in your purchase application and submit it to the building. And now you have another month to wait to see what the building has to say and to have the building confirm that you can purchase the apartment. So because of that, there can be a significant gap of time between receipt of your commitment letter and your closing date. And that gap of time is not protected under your mortgage contingency. So for this reason, and with the onset of the pandemic and the fact that anyone could lose their job at any moment because of the pandemic, there was the addition of the COVID-19 funding provision. The COVID-19 funding provision essentially provides you with extra coverage from the receipt of your commitment letter to the time of your closing. So if anything was to happen with your job that would cause the bank to reject you between receipt of your commitment letter and your closing date, the COVID-19 funding provision now covers for you. So if anything like that happens, you can get your deposit back legally and get out of the contract and no longer be obligated to purchase the property. So if you are a buyer purchasing property right now, it would be very smart of you to consult your attorney and have this provision added into 
into your contract if it's not in there already. And I've seen a lot of contracts going back and forth during this time, and I would say only about half of them have this provision in it. You want to make sure firstly that you're working with an attorney that is on the up and up and knows about all of these new provisions and changes that have been coming through. Pretty much every little opportunity that there is to protect a buyer during this time, your attorney should be privy to that. So some attorneys are kind of aware of it and have seen it and have started incorporating it. Others haven't. So you might have to be the one to bring it up and ask for it and have it added into your contract. If you want recommendations for real estate attorneys that are aware of all the latest changes and are protecting their buyers with this provision, then reach out to me and I can make those recommendations to you. And on the other hand, I have seen instances where the buyer's attorney tries to get this provision added into the contract and the seller's attorney doesn't want to allow it. Now, there are a couple of reasons why that's the case. Some seller's attorneys, especially if they're like more old school, they may just like not really understand the provision or just not feel the need to include it. They don't like changing what they already know to be the way that they work and what they allow, what they don't allow. So some seller's attorneys just don't want to bother with the provision at all. and They just don't want to have it included, but also it is an extra protection for the buyer and the seller's attorney is not trying to protect the buyer. They're trying to protect the seller and make sure that that buyer is on the hook for the property as much as possible. So a seller's attorney is not going to like adding protection for a buyer, but it's up to you and your real estate agent and your attorney to push to make sure that you are protected in the transaction because everybody on the seller side is not protecting you. They're protecting their seller. Obviously their seller is their client. So when it comes to making sure that you have a voice in your transaction, that you have a real estate agent who is protecting your best interest in the transaction and that your real estate attorney is protecting your best interest in the transaction. These are very important things to make sure that you have. So it goes back to, the principle that I've been talking about from the very beginning, which is making sure that you're working with the right people on your team, making sure that your agent is well-informed and working in your best interest. Same for your attorney, same for your mortgage lender. You want everyone to be in sync, you want everyone to be communicating, and for everyone to be up to date on all of the most recent developments to make sure that they are protecting you as best as possible. So that sums up the information that I wanted to share with you in this episode. I will keep this one short for you. If you guys have any questions, please send me an email. My email address is christina.kremitas at element.com. You can also follow me on Instagram. I do giveaways on my Instagram every single week. So follow me on Instagram. My handle is christina.kremitas. You can always send me a DM there as well. I always respond to my DMs. I hope that you guys found this helpful. Please make sure if you like this content that you are subscribed to my channel and also keep in mind that this content is available on both YouTube as well as the podcast. So whichever way you prefer to watch or listen to this content, I've got you covered. Thank you guys so much for watching and stay tuned for episode 24 where I'm going to be talking about the financial requirements to be approved by a co-op. So stay tuned for that and I'll see you soon.